afternoon. Join us on Facebook Live because it's time for the one and only James Marsh to do his thing. It's Marshy Movie Time. How are you? I'm very well. Speaking of one and only, I didn't realise the Proclaimers had more songs. Neither did I. Miles. That's why I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> it's like Morrissey yeah. writing songs with more than three notes. That is a real event <laughs> when that happens. Anyway, we've got something that looks great, but dot, dot, dot. Anyway, join us on Facebook mm. Live because we want to hear what you have to say. In, I think it's no secret that it's a kind of in-betweeny week, isn't it, really? It is. It's a... Uh... A, a blockbuster-free week. So they're kind of giving you a <laughs> <laughs> bit of counter-programming, making, you know, get a bit of space between the likes of Thor and obviously Top Gun is still doing incredible business mm. at the box office all over the world. So what we have is there's a couple of sort of art house offerings and then there is, uh, there's a few Netflix things a movie and a couple of shows. We've got The Sea Beast, big new animated film on Netflix. Right. There is also a new TV version, series version of Resident Evil. Okay. Which is also dropped on Netflix. That's either going to be brilliant or a complete dog, right? Mm, you will find out. Right. And it's interesting that you say it's interesting that you say dog of all the different phrases oh. you could have used. You know, so there's a little tease there. Um, and there's also a Taiwanese comedy drama series called Mum, Don't Do That. You might as well uh, just, which, you might, we might as well just mail that one in because I can see his face. <laughs> I, I watched all 11 hours of that, I'll have you know. So I want to talk about it. Uh, then in the cinema, there's a couple of, like I said, art house movies. There is Celine Shima's Petite Maman and also an, an Iranian drama ballad of a white cow. So shall we begin? Yeah, I just I want to say thank you to Simon for leaving me a really nice chocolate bar today. I'm now going to get into that. It's all yours. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to sit here and watch you eat it. Uh, okay, let's do the Sea Beast, big animated uh, swashbuckling seafaring adventure uh, from director Chris Williams, who is previously known for uh, Mo Moana, Bolt and won an Oscar for Big Hero 6. So he's done a lot of movies with uh, Disney and he's now jumped ship to keep this metaphor paddling as long as I can with um, <laughs> to, to, to Netflix. So this is, you know, like I said, Seafaring Fair. We follow young orphan Maisie, played, uh, voiced by Zaris Angel Hater, uh, who is in the orphanage because her parents died on one of these... Uh, uh sea monster hunts we live in a we live in a world where there are giant sea monsters you know there would be monsters as the uh as the maps tell us mm. and they fell victim to one of these however that hasn't stopped her from eating up these novels the captain crow novels that she loves so much and they are based on uh true adventures captain crow voiced by jared harris is a real guy and he runs a um, a ship called the Inevitable, and they hunt huge, giant monsters. So she manages to escape the orphanage and stows away on one of these, only to discover that the Inevitable is kind of on its last legs. It's It does its sea missions at the bidding of the king and queen, who have struck fear in the hearts of everybody in their kingdom about these monsters, and that they must be hunted down at all sorts, at all costs. But so far, Captain Crow and his crew have been unable to catch a particular one called the Red bluster and they're given one last outing uh before they are put out of commission permanently 
Now, needless to say, once they're on board, uh, Maisie is discovered and Captain Crow turns out to be a bit of a nasty piece of work, but she gets along well with uh, Crow's adopted son, Jacob, voiced by Carl Urban. Now, through machinations of plot, Jacob and Maisie find themselves overboard and marooned on a desert island where the uh, the red bluster itself comes from. Now, it's this. there are no real big surprises in this story. What I will say is that, uh, you know, there are some very interesting themes in it, not least the, um, the power of propaganda and misinformation to advance particular political and, and powerful, um, you know, uh, or regimes, for want of a better word. You know, the king and queen have been, have been uh, propagating this myth that the sea monsters are all evil, you know, and, and it comes as no surprise that uh, Jacob and Maisie discover that the sea monsters might not be as, uh, as life-threatening as possible. Well, the thing, that, the thing that looms heavy over all of this is How to Train Your Dragon, yeah. which is, it was an amazing movie, from, uh, an animated movie from about 10 years ago, in which you know, you've got a village of Vikings who for generations and generations have been the sworn enemies of dragons. And um, their village has been attacked by dragons over and over again, and it falls to a young guy uh, to befriend a young dragon, only to discover that actually we can all just get along and things actually might be beneficial for both of us. So there's a lot of, go- of that going on. You know, the, the, um, the mood, the tone of it all is, you know, it's all very sort of Pirates of the Caribbean light. Uh, there's obviously a bit of Moby Dick in there, you know, as they're hunting down these great monsters. Uh, and it all looks great. The animation is fantastic. You know, not least like the very opening scene, you know, lights up and it's a guy clinging to a piece of wood in the ocean and I swear it took me five minutes to be convinced that this was animated. It looks so good. Wow. The quality of the animation is fantastic. The problem is in the actual storytelling. For my money, I found that the script was quite weak. The characters were not incredibly well drawn. And actually the voice work and the dialogue wasn't, wasn't great and was, oh. I found really, really, really clunky. You know, it was it couldn't quite make it up its mind whether it wanted to go for that kind of old worldy received uh, received pronunciation kind of language or whether it wanted to be all shiver me timbers kind of seafaring <laughs> pirate jargon and it fell somewhere in between that so you get these weird sentence structures where they're posh one minute they're dropping all their consonants the next minute and you've got these these voice actors who are clearly very classically trained who don't really quite know how to navigate um this rather clunky dialogue that's very um that's full of um exposition and all a bit kind of rote it's so it's not kind of as funny or as poppy as it needed to be i wasn't convinced by the voice performances despite the fact that you've got people like jared harris and jim carter and carl urban and marianne jean baptiste and people kathy burke you know doing the voices it all just felt like it had been really poorly miscast with with actors who weren't in their comfort zone, performing these kinds of characters. That said, you know, it all does look very nice. And the story itself is inherently entertaining Hmm. and enjoyable. You know, everybody loves a good seafaring adventure and one where there are big sort of sea monsters who are then revealed to be cuter and cuddlier than we had at first perceived them to be. And all the rest of it is is great stuff. So it was very much a mixed bag for me. Uh, Some people have 
been fawning over this movie. It's been getting some very sort of good reviews. Yeah. Some some less so, but you know, by and large, it's been very warmly received. Um, however, for me, I found it a little bit of a slog because it's a solid two hours. And when the characterization isn't quite good and you don't really care what's going on and it's not quite quirky and funny enough, it all just felt like it was going through the motions, especially when every minute it's reminding you of the vastly superior How to Train Your Dragon and making you think, well, I could just be watching that. It's a shame about that. You don't often say things like this. It's usually brilliant acting, great gags, da-da-da-da. But no, it's the other way around today. Yeah, exactly. All the technical bits and bobs were there. Yeah. But then uh, just, for me, it's the writing more than anything else and just miscast voice actors. But hey, what are you going to do? Fair enough. So, Sea Beast what do you say go and see it and make your you know whatever well it's the good thing is it's netflix so it's it's on at home so you can just kind of stick it on and i think for younger viewers they may care less than i did about the quality of the voice actors or the appropriateness of the of the dialogue and what have you and they may be suitably enraptured by the big red cute sort of sea monster yeah at the heart of this and and well that i was it was you i was thinking of yeah, <laughs> you know, give you a cuddly monster and you're anybody's. Help him out. Join us on Facebook Live if you can be bothered. Actually, we've got some serious movie experts listening, and uh, they've probably just gone. Oh for yeah, you don't need gone, me. You really gone for do. lunch, probably. I think. Yeah. Yeah, okay, almost then. certainly. Almost yeah. certainly. Go on. Then. All right. Well, let's let's move on. Let's go for something a little bit more highbrow then, which is Petit, Petite Maman, which is a new French movie. It debuted at the Berlin Film Festival last year and was getting rave reviews all year, and then it's finally showing up here. Uh, it's the latest movie from uh, French filmmaker Celine Sciamma, yeah. who did Port- Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which you'll remember was one of my favourite movies from a couple of years ago. She did. Um, tomboy and girlhood she's really good at um unconventional stories about with with young actors and what have you this is the story of eight-year-old nelly Mm -hmm. a young young girl who's just lost her grandmother she travels with her parents to the grandmother's home which is her mother's childhood home uh, in order to sort of pack it up and clean it up and what have you yeah um you know, her mum is there and going through all her childhood things and showing them off to her eight-year-old daughter, like old notebooks and, and what have you. But she finds it all a bit much. And so the mother leaves, leaving young Nellie just with her dad to go through all this stuff. Uh, Nellie ventures out into the woods nearby where she meets a little girl about the same age as her, who actually looks a lot like her as well, right. uh, who is building a fort in the woods. And they start playing. Uh, and she asks what her name is. And the little girl is called Marion. And that is her mother's name. Oh, and it goes on. It goes on from there. Um, This is. I thought this was. This was lovely. This was a really sort of sweet and beautiful film about uh, sort of grief and loss and childhood innocence and all the rest of it. Um, It's. It's got a sort of a vaguely sort of magical fairy tale, fantastical sort of element to it at its center uh, but is dealt with in a very sort of matter of fact kind of way mm-hmm. a brilliant pair of child performances by twins Josephine and Gabrielle Sanz who play uh, Nelly and Marion uh, and and they are the, carrying the weight of the drama for much of the time so it's you know it's it's a film that would live or die on its child performers right uh, uh, you know, much like I was criticizing Sea Beast for perhaps not casting 
as well as it could. Here, it's absolutely bang on. You, these two girls, you're you're absolutely enraptured by them. I mean, you're watching little Josephine, who plays Nelly. Yeah. Most of she's on screen almost the entire time, and and she's not the most outspoken character either. So she's quite quiet and observant. Uh, she seems in some ways much more emotionally mature than her parents are, than her mother is in particular. Uh, but it's about how she's processing this idea that her grandmother has died and she she can't say the things to her that she's want, always wanted to. Mm. And, she, you know, she never got to say a final goodbye. Um, and at the same time, she is being introduced to uh, the world that her mother knew when she was the same age. And so it's it's navigating some pretty emotionally complex and narratively complex landscapes, but does so in a kind of really effortlessly gentle and sensitive and tender way. I just literally just watched it this morning. And it's also a very... Someone must have been very, working for a living. This is, yes, like me, like <laughs> that's what I was doing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, it, and it comes in at a very accommodating 72 minutes as well. Uh, so, you know, sometimes these stories can be told with brevity and it's i thought it was lovely i thought it was delightful well done so far so good yeah and and that's out in cinemas right now that is called petite maman okay Okay. little little mother essentially and uh thanks and yeah that's it and if you uh if you like that do check out the rest of celine shiama's work because she is uh quite the filmmaker on of note at the moment excellent we're gonna we'll recap all these at the end because he's going Mm -hmm. at mac 12 so Time to start at least another one. It's three minutes until the news. Okay, with three minutes till the news, let's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where, which one? To, which one to do? The well, ele- let's the introduce ele- the eleven-part Taiwanese drama. Yeah. Okay. Fine. <laughs> okay. So ma- that's called Mum. Don't do that. Uh, it's based on a novel which was itself inspired uh, by true events. This is again. This is about a family. Actually, the death of their patriarch. So mm. it's the death of a family member and what the the uh, stormy seas that it throws our characters into. You have got a forty year old Ru Rong who still lives with her mum. Her mum is called Mei Mei and is your your ultimate sort of sixty year old Chinese busybody. Uh, you know, housewife. She's she's all up in her daughter's business all the time, and it's it's quite infuriating. But at the same time, you know, what are you going to do? It's family, and you've got to keep them close. Um, there, the father has died a couple of years ago. You know, fairly he was he wasn't super old, quite unexpectedly, and now you know the repercussions of that are still being felt. And, and money is very much on the mother's mind all the time. She is now financially dependent. They own the apartment they're in, but she's now financially dependent upon her daughters. Uh, her 40-year-old daughter is a... Um, she's a Chinese teacher, but she's also a successful author. Okay. And she seems to she seems to plunder her personal life and daily life and family for um, story ideas. You know, and she writes these sort of cheesy romance novels that, are, that do quite well. And so she's on the lookout for her next story. Uh, at that moment, her, their young, her younger sister, Rumin, uh, she comes home with her tail between her legs. Her boyfriend has been cheating on her again. And so oh. she, uh, yeah, so she moves back in. So essentially you've got these three women living together and they're all just getting on each other's nerves, but they kind of need that infrastructure and security in order to get by even if they don't want to admit it. Fair enough. And? 
And you told me it was time for the nukes. Not yet. <laughs> oh, okay. And now it's time it's, for the nukes. No, okay. <laughs> well, you've just, it sounds, like a, it sounds like a soap opera, basically. Yeah, well, it, it's a comedy drama. You know, it has sort of slapsticky histrionic hijinks. Uh, you know, they get into wacky misadventures, uh, for the most part caused by their mum, you know, doing stuff that she, you know, misinterpreting situations and jumping to conclusions and all that good stuff. Now it's time um, for the news. All right. Go and get a cup of tea. We'll be back in just a little while. What do you mean I played the wrong news jingle? Give me a break, James. Who do you think you are? I wouldn't know the right <laughs> one from the wrong. <laughs> me? Did never. <laughs> You're having a giraffe. Anyway, where were I we? just I just put my hands my my, my trust in what you, yeah, I just trust you. Yeah, distrust me. Okay. Join us on Facebook okay. Live because we want to hear what the Brains Trust has to say about and perhaps anything you've seen that James hasn't. That would be really cool. Morning Brews our page, meet you there. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, so just to wrap it up, mum mum don't do that. So you've got these three women all thrown back living together. And inevitably, it all comes down to their love lives. You know, so you've got the widowed mother who dips her toe into online dating after she's caught kind of flirting with her neighbor's husband. And that is obviously frowned upon. So they're like, no, 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 you need to try something else. So she she gets into like online dating and that causes all kinds of problems, you know, from from going on a series of blind dates to almost getting scammed to eventually meeting sort of foreigners who may or may not be suitable <clears throat> Uh, then you've got the, uh, the 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 forty year old sort of arguably the most the sort of our heroine if you like Ru Rong who is quite happy thank you very much just to be single and be on her own yeah. uh, even though ironically you know she she writes successful romance novels uh, she has yet to find her Mister Writer then she does bump into a guy who is her best friend's ex ex boyfriend right. uh, who she dumped when he had an accident and fell into a coma right. <laughs> He's now woken up. Yeah, no, I know. What? I know. So the the friend is about to get married to somebody else, but she's she's basically the bad example of how not to be a girlfriend or a wife or whatever. Yeah. She's, you know, the the pretty, very flirtatious, very judgmental one who's who's uh get rushing into a marriage, but at the same time is gonna start dating other people just to test if she really wants to get married or not. You know, and so she's she's bad news. But then there is this um this ex of hers that Ru Rong bumps into, uh, you know, who could be you know, very handsome, could be perfect, yeah. uh, but he, but something's something's not quite right there. Something she's not quite sure what it is, but something's not quite right. And then you've got the younger daughter uh, who drinks her sorrows away and just cannot sort of get out of her own way. Really, she just keeps um, getting back together with this ex boyfriend who's just blatantly two timing her all the time. Yeah. So we've got everything, and basically. So it's got a bit of everything. It works better as a drama. I think it actually, you know, it it um, it touches on some fairly well-observed sort of life lessons in terms of romance and family and all the rest of it. Um, it's when, it, when it's trying to be a comedy, it is less successful, certainly for me. The style of humour is very kind of histrionic, low-brow, slapsticky... Uh, you know, just exaggerated to a point that just kind of grates. And sadly for me, that is the, the most guilty part of that is veteran actress Billy Wang, who plays um, the mother, 
who's kind of at the centre of it all, as the you know, as the title might suggest. Yeah. It's called Mum Mum Don't Do That. So she's the one causing pr- trouble all the time. She's very selfish and stubborn and opinionated and um and yeah, it, it does great. But so yeah, so it you know, it works as a drama, it doesn't work quite as well as comedy. Uh that is on Netflix right now, and that's from Taiwan. And where's... uh right, l- yep. let's talk about this new Resident Evil show. So as I'm sure you're this is also on Netflix. All, I think, eight hour-long episodes of it dropped yesterday. I've watched the first two so far. So this is obviously another, yet another adaptation of the video game series. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it's a kind of new take on the material. So it's got nothing to do with all of those Mila Jovovich movies. Uh, so the scene, it kind of takes two timelines at the same time. On the one hand, you have got... Uh, the future, 2036, 14 years after there was this huge virus out, viral outbreaks that, that basically killed 5 billion people and turned the rest into sort of zombies, essentially. <laughs> I knew you were going to say zombies. Oh, well, it's, it's Resident Evil. It's it's zombies. <laughs> but then, but they're not zombies because it's a viral outbreak. They, they're they're not zombies. dead. Yeah, they're just zombies. But they refer to them as zeros. Uh, and we follow... Jay Wesker, played by Ella Belinska, who is somewhere in England and she's on her own and she's doing tests. She's away from her husband and from their young daughter. She's testing the evolution of the zombies because she's convinced that they're going to start to regain their senses and whether that's going to be a cure or whether they're evolving into another kind of nasty, uh, that remains to be seen. Mm Mm-hmm. However, she then kind of run gets you know has run-ins with various sort of little rebel gr- outfits running around in the UK. That story is being told simultaneously with the st- story that takes place in our presence, twenty twenty-two, fourteen years earlier, and just months before the outbreak, where we find young Jade Wesker, uh, who is uh, now played by Tamara Smart, her and her twin sister Billy who are both from different eggs, different mothers, but have the same father. So they're kind of um, ad- they're kind of adopted, kind of test tube babies. I don't know what you call them. They're, 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 but, you know, there's something questionable about their very essence of being that it might, they might have come more from a lab than from, Clones. you know, from, from other people. Because right. uh, their dad's played by Lance Reddick, that everybody will know from uh, The Wire and all sorts. Albert Wesker gets a new, a new executive position at the Umbrella Corporation, which is the big nefarious um, dystopian uh, company that caused all of this. He has a very, very high-end position there, and they've moved to this new place called New Raccoon City, which I think is in South Africa. It's not entirely clear where they are exactly. <clears throat> he works at the lab, still very secretive. The two girls have to start a new school. They're not getting on very well with them, but they are buddy-buddy with each other. They are twins, all even though they don't kind of look very similar. But no sooner have they arrived than they start to get some kind of idea of just how evil the business that their dad is involved in is and that he's up to no good. And this is probably going to end up being ground zero for the outbreak itself. So at the moment, it's quite um, ambitious in the fact that it's telling these two timelines simultaneously. It's like the aftermath and the co- and the cause. Yeah. 
simultaneously and you've got two different actresses playing the same character at the center of it um i'm quite intrigued you know i don't have anything invested in the resident evil franchise either as a gamer or the movies or i mean the mila jovovich <laughs> or as a zombie yeah. yes um you know the mila jovovich movies are fine for what they are you know and they kind of did some fun things within the action realm but they didn't didn't really push the envelope intellectually mm. or as sort of um ideas driven sci-fi it was more about paul Tom uh, paul ws anderson giving his wife mila jovovich plenty of hoops to literally jump through while she's firing guns and punching zombies <laughs> um so this is seems to be a sort of a very different tone very different take i'm i'm into it at the moment albeit with you know some reservations which have yet to fully manifest. We'll see how it goes. It's okay so far. It's all there on Netflix, all eight episodes. I'm only two episodes in, but I will keep going. All the eggs, but is there an omelette? That. I have yet questions. to... Yeah. I have yet to test the omelette. Hello, Steve. He says, of today's reviewed films and series, mm. I think I'm going to see the French film Petite Maman. Well, thank you, Steve. Uh, you would be wise to do so. Yes, I think I think I'm showing my hand ever so slightly before our last review today. Uh, it's the best film out this week, I think, by quite a margin. Right. In that case, let's do the last review. OK, the last review, Ballad of a White Cow. This is an Iranian drama. Right. OK, about a single mother, Mina. Who, uh, whose husband was arrested and convicted of a crime and sentenced to death, which was carried out a year ago. Mm -hmm. At which point, the government turns around and says, oh, sorry, oh. we made a mistake. The real culprit has confessed your husband was innocent. And she's like, what? You know, he's dead. He, he died a year ago. Uh, I'm struggling to make ends meet, working at a factory. My deaf daughter it needs to be cared for. I'm now getting run out of my home because single women are not allowed to rent these properties and she's finding it really hard to find a new landlord or even a state agent who will rent to her as a as a single woman and they're all just like why why don't you get remarried why don't you get remarried the government says to her we'll give you we'll give you compensation you're going to get a huge cash payout but it's just going to take a little bit of time to process you know and this causes her in-laws essentially to resurface and start circling and be like give us the money you know we lost him too he's you know we want the money you just go go and get married again and she's like no i don't want to i want the money i want to get a new home and settle down and move out of town and all the rest of it then a man shows up at her door a guy called reza who says that he knew her husband and he owes him some money so he's turned Timing, up to boy. <laughs> timing it's like and it's a sizable amount of money cuts her a check straight away and also says oh if you're looking for somewhere to stay i've got an, a free apartment the tenants just moved out i'll clean it all up for you and you can move in there so she's like oh this is amazing this is great but something's up something is not oh. right you know meanwhile she's she's taking ads out in the paper and she's tr she you know she she wants a public apology from the supreme court for wrongly um you know executing her husband but everybody even the members of the high court to each other are saying it's god's will you know whatever mistakes were made it's god's will this is obviously the way things were supposed to pan out we shouldn't we shouldn't question it we shouldn't do anything about it mm. so it's a it's a fascinating film and it's 
It's written and co-directed by Mariam Mogadam, who actually also plays the lead character. Okay. So arguably the very essence of this film's existence is kind of challenging all of these societal concepts that are being sort of presented about, you know, a woman's role in contemporary Iranian society, where they're like, no, you, you have no freedom of, of uh, choice to do anything. You, know, you are beholden to the men in your life, regardless of what you want to do. And here's here's a woman who has stood up and made a movie almost single-handedly about all of this. Yeah. Um, the vision of Iran, it, the way it's shot, it's beautifully composed, and the way it's shot is like this sort of desolate, but almost bombed-out version of Tehran. You know, it's, it's lots of these sort of wide expanses of kind of urban just a barren urban wastelands, you know, mm. and it feels almost like sort of post-apocalyptic territory, although it isn't. And it feels, you know, a very sort of unwelcoming environment. And it just adds to this sense of, you know, unease and disquiet, you know, and, and a sort of facelessness to the authorities who have done her this great wrong. So it's, it's certainly not a film for everybody. It's a bit challenging. Yeah. It's very, <laughs> it's pretty slow paced, and but it, but where it takes you is actually really kind of interesting. And um, Marianne Mogadam as a filmmaker and actress is is really impressive. And you know she's definitely on my radar now, and I'll check out more things that uh, that she offers. It's not a barrel of laughs as you might expect. Really. Uh, but it's but it's so it's worth the effort should you be so inclined for something like this. So it's it's by no means has the sort of the charm and wit and innocence as uh, Petite Maman does. Uh, but it's uh, you know it's it's a it's a robust piece of cinema. I was going to say that should be your best film film of today, mm. but uh, you don't think so? You know, yeah, like I say, it's, it's it's an accomplished piece of work, but it's a bit it's a bit too slow paced for me. Yes, you know, and I'm not wholly 100 satisfied with some of the story choices it makes towards the end. Um, that said, you know, yeah, it's it's a good movie for sure. Brilliant. Uh, but pe but I think Petite Maman is more uh, accessible to a lot of people right, and get, more um, and the payoffs better. Guess the list then. Okay, so that one is called Ballad of a White Cow. Uh, there's also the French movie Petite Maman, which is definitely, if I have a pick of the week, that's definitely it. And then on Netflix, we have the Taiwanese comedy drama series Mom, Don't Do That. And the new version of Resident Evil, which I'm going to check out a bit more of, see, see where it goes. Yep. And then also the animated seafaring adventure, The Sea Beast. Have you yet checked out Blackbird? No. All right. All right. I, won't I haven't. Say, I won't say Sorry. a sausage then. Good stuff. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye for now. Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye and goodbye. <laughs>